This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut. This is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Kraken Captain Matt Spurk. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Castbox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have five news items for you today. First up, BattleBots Champions is back in action this week with our fifth and final qualifying event with bots Overhaul, Black Dragon, Perfect Phoenix, Sub-Zero, Ghost Raptor, Captain Shredderator, Hijinx, and Whiplash fighting in a special one-day tournament. The winner of that tournament will advance to face this week's mini-boss, Witch Doctor. The episode will air Thursday at 8 p.m. local time on the Discovery Channel or very early Thursday morning on Discovery+. Plus. BattleBots this week dropped a cryptic hint on Twitter, suggesting that the still-unconfirmed Season 7 of the show will film in Las Vegas in mid-October, tweeting, quote, Mid-October would be a great time. This in response to a fan who said they were looking forward to traveling to Vegas later this year to catch the tournament. No official word yet on whether Season 7 has been greenlit by the network. On over to the internet, where Comedy Central Seasons 1 through 5 are now live on Internet Archive. This thanks to Andre Barden, the man behind the comedy site BattleBots Update. Andre has been meticulously gathering footage from the Comedy Central Seasons and decided to publish them to Internet Archive for safekeeping. BattleBots reportedly has hundreds of hours of raw fight footage from the Comedy Central era of the show, but they refuse to release those fights for various reasons. Meanwhile, the team behind Bloodsport is running a very cool charity fundraiser. Donate $20 to Engineers Without Borders and get your name printed on the bottom of their bot. As of Monday night, the campaign had raised $1,300 and counting, including $20 from yours truly. Look for the link on Bloodsport's Facebook page. And finally, a brand new BattleBots book is hitting store shelves later this week. BattleBots, the official guide, is 128 pages long, published by Scholastic, and drops this Sunday in bookstores nationwide. On the front cover, this week's podcast guest, Kraken. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Kraken Captain Matt Spurk. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both 
durability, and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat Batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest. One of our favorite builders of all time, Kraken Captain Matt Burke. This week, Matt surprised BattleBots fans by announcing that he's retiring Kraken and will build a brand new bot for future seasons of the show. So far, he's been tight-lipped about the new bot, but we're going to try as hard as we can to learn as much as we can in the hour ahead. So, welcome back to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's been so much fun joining here and talking with y'all, so uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, um, as is tradition, we uh, sat and chatted with Matt for a good like 20 minutes before we actually started recording today. Uh, don't worry, we'll revisit all those topics for you guys. Uh, we just really like hanging out with them, and sometimes we get carried away. It is what it is, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. We do, we do. Um, all right, so let's get right into it. Let's talk about BattleBots champions. Let's start with Kraken's fight at BattleBots. Um, your match against Blade, which is an awesome bot. Uh, how how did you prepare for this fight? I ask you this, but it's not like you haven't prepared for like a million horizontals before. <laughs> um, so yeah, what was going through your mind? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, the, the Orby line has got a great reputation. It's a very powerful bot. What was your thought process going into this? So uh, this fight was not too long after the fight with Glitch, and we just got bodied against Glitch, and um, right? like we got we got bodied hard. Um, <laughs> the the both drive motors on the bot that fought Glitch were trashed, um, and one of the drive motors, the shot like um, like the first hit launched us in the air. Right. And that one did kind of just caught the underside and smashed one of the, the motors. Um, but then the other hit that kind of like propelled us, it was like, it was like just getting shot out of a cannon into the screws. Um, that one was on the other motor and it hit directly behind like the gearbox. And so it smashed the motor into like the frame and jammed it up. So it took us like, the better part of the next day, just getting that motor out because we had to cut away, like the bolts were all sheared off. So you couldn't like turn the heads or anything. And the, the steel was like smeared, the bolts, for, <laughs> the steel from the frame was smeared into the bolts for the, the steel for the bolts. So it was like just this, it was like this fused metal mush. <laughs> um, and uh we had to try and get this motor out. So it took us the better part of the day. And actually, uh, my youngest son, Ethan, worked on it uh, with the Dremel tool. And he just went to work cutting out uh, where he could to get in there. Um, we ran to, He was able actually able to get the motor out. And then from there, we had to go and then cut away more of the frame so that we could put the new motor in because the, the new motor, which is, you know, nice and square and, um, you know, the gearbox is square and the motor is obviously round. Everything lines up appropriately um did not fit into the opening so we had to go back in and grind out some more steel so it took us it took like a, a full day maybe two days to get everything put back together again and we finally got it like okay the bot's back together again we can fight our fight was the next day we can fight we're good to go everything's ready to go and then we go home and at three in the morning i see it's orby and it's another horizontal and it was like oh here we go again okay um 
and uh so you know we got the bot all ready and we saw um we saw i guess it was that night we were leaving we saw orby was putting his new blade on the front and it was like this uh hardened steel like razor sharp you know it looked like it looked like a giant gillette razor i mean it was so sharp and i was like god that is just gonna eat right through us you know and uh I, I I didn't sleep the whole night. I, I was I was exhausted the next morning because I was just having nightmares of of exactly what happened, which is you know him just chewing up the nose and just coming out the other side. And um, so it was it was violent. It was it wasn't. Uh, uh, I, I would say the result is not was not unexpected, but also um, you know it was it was an awesome match. <laughs> like it was it was spectacular. The destruction was spectacular, um, and uh, we did we did okay. Uh, I, we had a shot to really win it there. We had a hold of him and could, just couldn't get him into the screws. He kind of caught the wall right by the screws instead of going into the screws, and um, the uh, he he got one of the tires and jammed it up. So, but other than that, it was you know it was a it was a fun fight. It was a you know a typical crack and fight, a lot of destruction, and a full three minutes of just high energy impact. So it was it was good. Um, so without getting immediately spicy with this interview, do you find it ironic at all that you were facing a horizontal in this fight and then would advance to immediately face another horizontal in Bloodsport? Yeah, we saw that as well. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what was crazy was, so like the rotator frame, which is our, which is our frame that we had set up with our extra armor for horizontals. Um, it's basically a vertical frame with horizontal armor plates welded on the side, right? So it's not anything like extra special, but it, it does, it is designed for horizontals. That frame, um, we'd been working on it basically since the rotator match, cutting out steel, getting new steel, uh, flown in thicker plates and stuff. Um, and so we had basically gotten that frame ready to go, but it was, we got it finished you know a, a few hours before the orby fight and it, there wasn't enough time to swap all of the guts over um because we were we were on our last everything at this point right rotator had destroyed two air tanks and basically the entire pneumatic system hijinks had had further broken some pneumatic systems um and then in the uh, glitch fight we had cracked another one of our air tanks so we were down to like our last air tank um and the last little bit of pneumatics that we had left so we didn't have time to swap everything over to the horizontal frame um if we had beaten orby if we'd managed to to sneak out the win there i think we would have had enough time to get everything swapped over to that horizontal frame and that would have given us a, a big advantage with with um blood sport i don't think i don't know that we could have beaten them they are so strong they're such a powerful horizontal spinner um and you can see like how quickly they dispatched um orby that you know i don't know that that would have we'd, we'd have made it any further um so um yeah but but yeah it was ironic that that had we won against the horizontal we would have fought another horizontal immediately after <laughs> arguably the only horizontal that the selection committee didn't put you up against actually if you yeah yeah we were they were running out of horizontals i think we we looked at it. i think we had like malice valkyrie and tombstone left when <laughs> Bloodsport, right um as the only horizontals left in the field so there weren't there weren't many left <laughs> oh. 
All right, so let's talk about retiring Kraken. We were genuinely surprised to hear that you were retiring Kraken. It is a gorgeous spot. It is super tough. It is always entertaining. Um, when you reveal new designs, we've, we're always super excited. We had all assumed that it was going to be one of the next hex bugs, right? They haven't had a crusher hex bug. It would make sense. Offer it to be Kraken just because it's got such a high design profile. It would be awesome. So, uh, big question on everyone's mind: Why are you retiring this bot? Um. So the what was it in the 20, 2020 season? I think it was that they redid the scoring where they revised the scoring from a three two two to a five three three. Yeah. And at that point, you know, I I told my wife I was like, when they changed that scoring, I said we'll be lucky if we ever win another fight with that scoring. Yeah. Um. Because, uh, you know, when it was the three two two, you know, like I could win control, and if I was more aggressive, I got four points, and it didn't matter how much damage you did to me, I was gonna win. Um, and but when they changed it to the five three three, then it was like, well, now I'm only gonna get one point for control, and I'm only gonna get one point for aggression, and I have to real, I you know, I can't lose damage then. And I have to, I have to win damage, and, and we're not set up for, for, um, you know, handling. Like we're not going to deliver big damage. That's just not what we do. Uh, we're a grappler and a controller, and and we do that side of it. Um, but that was one of those like, there wasn't another. Um, at that point, we we knew that we weren't going to, to ever win. Or, or we were, we weren't likely to win. How about that? Not that we were never going to win, but we weren't likely to win. Um, and uh, just the we got to the point where it was kind of like you know, uh, getting smeared <laughs> for um, every every match and and getting kind of crushed was uh, was 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 not as fun. You know, like we go there to have fun and compete and and everything, but. Um, this season was, you know, it's it's a lot of money, and uh, to get into a situation where the um, you're you're not going to win, um, which makes it hard to attract sponsors. Uh, it makes it hard to get into the tournament uh, where you can, you know, obviously provide more value for sponsors, um, and you didn't get any payout for losing. Like the winners would get paid and the losers wouldn't get paid. So as a bot that really would struggle to compete and win, uh, we would basically lose thousands of dollars every single match with no avenue for recourse. And so it got to the point where it was like, is this thousand dollars of fun every match? Um, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, for a thousand dollars, uh, you can have a lot of fun doing other stuff. Um, and uh, losing is is obviously not as much fun as winning. Um, and and it was just kind of like, you know, we got we gotta change. We gotta do something different. and and the sports evolving, and the bots are way more destructive than they were. Um, and you you know, you look at the newcomers like glitch and riptide and you know, kind of where these, you know, and even like the uppercut, which is now kind of one of the almost veterans, you know, um, they're, they're, uh, you, you have to evolve with the sport and, and, and we, it felt like we, Kraken was stagnant, right? We weren't evolving and we needed to evolve. And that was kind of what 
what drove the decision. And, and, you know, it wasn't something that was like, oh, we lost to Orby. I'm going to retire. It was something that was talked about. Um, you know, it was kind of like prior to the glitch fight, it was like, you know, we may need to do something different with, with Kraken, you know, just to be more competitive. And, and then we got crushed by glitch and it was like, yeah, we, I, I think we need to do something different with Kraken. And then kind of the Orby fight was kind of like the nail in the coffin. And it was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is, we definitely need to evolve and, and grow. So, well, uh, I gotta say that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's, it's tough too. Cause like, I, I, I love Kraken. Like I know there's fans that love Kraken and I know like Kraken's like the, the fans that, that, that love Kraken. Like, um, we have so many kids that are, uh, younger kids, uh, like the four to eight year old kids love Kraken. Cause it's this big visual sea monster thing. Like they can see Kraken. They understand how Kraken, what Kraken's supposed to do. Right. For sure. Um, and, and they love it. And so to realize, like, you know, you're kind of killing these kids, you know, hero um, or retiring their hero. It was tough. But um, and yeah, it's it's it was a really tough decision. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, you guys as a family have put so much time and effort into that. Um, yeah, I can only imagine. All right. So uh, let's take a look back at Kraken's career at BattleBots, you know, just do some honor to the old girl. Right. Um, so for people who haven't heard Kraken's origin story, take us back to 2018 and your decision to apply for BattleBots with a crusher, why a crusher and what was the goal for Kraken to begin? So when we, uh, we applied actually in the season two on ABC, um, and were rejected and it was uh what was the bot called i think it was like ogre or something like that and it was a uh it was a centripetal hammer i was trying to build uh, but we it wasn't it wasn't a great concept it wasn't fleshed out really well um and it did it got denied but i got some great feedback from from greg um and uh you know kind of talked to the witch doctor team the hypershock team and really kind of was like you know what do we got to do to um, to get onto the show. What's, what's it take to be on the show and be special? Um, and you know, their kind of thing was, you got to come up with a theme. Um, and so we were actually driving, uh, from, from Florida up to North Carolina to attend one of the events there that, uh, Chuck Butler puts on. Um, I think it was Hickory bot battles. We were traveling up for that one and we were kind of thinking up themes and stuff like that. And we came up across like a pirate theme. No one is, no one was really doing a pirate theme. So we thought the pirate theme would be cool. And then we're like, all right, what would be, what would be the robot that would go with that? And we kind of came up with the name Kraken. So we had a theme and a name and we still hadn't designed the robot yet. Um, so we went, I went back and we started drawing up different designs for robots. And one was like a big, uh, nightmare style vertical disc. Uh, there was a horizontal disc. It was kind of like a tombstone with a disc. Uh, there was a diagonal spinner kind of, uh, Texas twister style. Um, and those were all, um, those were all in the like, okay to good range right they, they were okay concepts to, to to good concepts you know um and then i kind of was just just doodling in a, in a sketch pad and i drew this kind of 
crazy sea monster frog looking thing and um i, I was like wow that's really kind of neat looking i was like i wonder if i could turn that into a robot and uh you know, so I, I took a picture of it on my phone and sent it to, to you know, the witch doctor, Mike and Andrea and Paul and Will, who are some of my best friends in the sport. And I sent it to them and I was like, what do you guys think of this? If, if I could build this, would this get on the show? You know, and they're like, dude, if you could make that there I, with that with 100 percent certainty, I could say that would get on the show. And, and I was like, okay, I was like, I think I could build that, you know? So we started, you know, I busted out the SolidWorks and started drawing this, this crazy sea monster looking thing. And, um, uh, I, I got it all done and I sent it off to the cat off to him, this concept sketch, which was, you know, really just that, just a shell. There wasn't much to the internals yet. And, uh, you know, I send it off to them and they're like, oh my God, it's awesome. Send it, send it. They, they gave me like Greg's email address, like email this straight to Greg right now and see, get his thoughts on it. So I emailed Greg and, and he's like, dude, that is crazy. That's awesome. He started showing it to the discovery producers and stuff. And this is season three. So like BattleBots is like trying to like court discovery at this point. And Greg was telling us, you know, Kraken was one of the robots they were using in those discussions. And I don't know how true that is, whether he was just you know, blowing smoke, but, but whatever. I'll, I'm going to tell you it's the truth, right? It, it definitely happened that way. Um, and, and, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of like, was, he's like, all right, if you're, if you can build that, you're in, you're definitely in that, that that's 100% going to be on the show. It's super cool. It's something different. Um, and then it was like, oh crap. Okay. We got to figure, I got to figure out all these details, right? You know, all right, we're going to use an airbag crusher and, all right, we're going to run MPC motors because I know those will work. And what parts can I get? And, and kind of the rest is history from there. But um, it was the whole point of it was to make this robot that was just visually different and interesting and cool. Um, like, um, and we, we were tossed back and forth the idea of the, the giant disc nightmare style vertical spinner versus the crusher. And what ultimately decided the vote uh for the crusher was i could compete with the crusher at robot ruckus i couldn't compete with the spinner at robot ruckus so i said if i'm gonna build this robot and it's twenty thousand dollars i want to play with it twice a year instead of once a year so that was what that was what why kraken was a crusher instead of a vertical spinner yeah i mean that makes perfect sense <laughs> I, I it's you know it's I wish it was something other than, you know, me wanting to play with my toys, but that, that was ultimately, you know, maybe the wrong decision. Maybe the giant nightmare style one would have, would have been much more successful, but you know, I, I like the one that we built. I'm, I'm proud of it. So the giant nightmare style one technically, I guess, retired before you. So that's right. Uh, that's right. It's the first retired version of Kraken. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, yeah. So it, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, deep six was the, was the kind of, nightmare replacement um they're they are now officially gone and coming back with something completely different um yep so you fought in 20 career matches at BattleBots. what do you know now that you didn't know when you entered BattleBots three years ago oh my gosh uh that is such a long list how much time is this show supposed to be uh <laughs> boy um just how to how to make a robot reliable uh you look at where yes. kraken started in 2018 and it was it was not good right like 
the teeth fell out and we got shorted on our own garbage that we had inside the robot. And, you know, we uh, had radio issues and it got stuck on the screws and, and it was like, like, it was like a terrible start. Um, but we learned through each one of those matches, we learned how to get better and, and how to evolve and adapt and be, um, you know, adjustable, but, um, you know, just how to make a robot that, uh, could keep working even when, <laughs> even when significant pieces of frame or tire or, uh, armor or whatever was missing for the robot, it was on fire. It was still going to work. So, um, uh, you know, just the reliability portion of it and, and the different little tips and tricks that we picked up from the other builders. Um, so yeah, oh my goodness, there's so many, you know, zip tying all your connectors. I'd never done that before. Never had to do that. And the mini bots, the small bots, they don't, their connectors don't come apart, but at the, at the heavyweight level, those energies are on another scale. Um, you know, uh, the what the lesson that we just learned, obviously, this last season was having shock mounted armor. Um, you know, in seasons past, all of our armor was always just the frame and it was welded right to the frame. But you look at the bots that are winning and winning consistently and their armor is separated from their frame with shock mounts. And it's like, huh, OK. And, and you know, it was actually um, Aaron Hill. I was looking at, at Blip and Tantrum and, and really talking with Aaron and and he was kind of like, oh, yeah, we use these rubber isolators. And and uh, I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that before. But yeah. And then I was looking around the pits and it was like, oh, Endgame's got those. Oh, Hypershock's got a different style. But yeah, he's got rubber isolators in there. And it was like, oh, geez, you know. So even, you know, four seasons in, we're still learning um and trying to grow and get better and make a better more reliable more entertaining robot yeah that makes perfect sense um all right let's go into nasa we're gonna go into this before we go into all of our listener questions so i hear you've been working on a little project i hear you might have had a little bit of a delay so can you tell us about what you've been working on at nasa yeah, so I am the Associate Chief uh, Integration Engineer. Um, so what that means is uh, it's kind of my job to integrate between all the various design engineers and operations engineers and all the um, stuff. Um, I primarily focus on the ground systems, so all the stuff associated with the launch pad, um, all the swing arms that swing out of the way, all the cryo fueling, all the um, uh, nitrogen and helium and, um, all the, um, uh, we call it ECS environmental control system. So we supply this very regulated air to the vehicle so that we keep all the moisture out and all the contamination out. Um, and so kind of all these, you know, various systems, um, that are involved in launching a rocket. Um, I integrate all those design engineers with the operations engineers and help troubleshoot anytime a problem comes along. So that's kind of my role there at NASA. Uh, and I primarily focus on the ground systems. And then there's other, um, I had, there's other integration engineers that also kind of focus on um, vehicle side, various vehicle elements. So, and so I, we'll work with them if there's, you know, an interface between ground and flight um, on how those um if there's an issue somewhere at one of those connection points. So, um, and my system obviously is the Artemis rocket, which, um, 
Today is the 29th of August, and it was our first launch attempt for the rocket. So uh, obviously uh, did not go according to plan. Um, we were hoping to get a little bit further into the count. Uh, we had some issues with one of the bleed valves, uh, which we had an issue uh, at the at our last uh, wet dress rehearsal attempt uh, a couple, geez, probably six, eight weeks ago now. Um, and that was a leak between the uh, ground plate and the vehicle plate. There's um, a seal there and we've got to pass hydrogen between the ground system and the vehicle. And there was a leak there. So that stopped our last wet dress rehearsal attempt. Uh, this time, we so we went back to the VAB. We fixed that leak. We went back out there. Um, and so we kind of got to the next hurdle there, which is, unfortunately was uh, one of the bleed valves uh, had an issue and they're still troubleshooting the issue um, last night or I'm sorry, today and tonight. Um, and we're working on the, the path forward for how we fix this, this bleed valve issue um, and what that repair looks like, whether we can do that at the pad or whether we've got to roll back to the VAB. Um, kind of rolling back to the VAB is kind of a last resort. So we're going to try and fix this at the pad if it's at all possible. Um, and get ourselves set up for a um, another launch attempt on Friday. So um, that's awesome. Hold on, what is VAB? Oh, I'm sorry, the Vehicle Assembly Building. That's the giant building where we uh, stack all the rocket segments together and yep. put everything together and do all our testing and troubleshooting. Yeah, literally a massive facility. Yes. Yeah. It it distorts your reality. It is so large. Um, you know, I'll be driving in. I'll be like, oh, there's a slow guy. I, uh, but, but I'm almost to work. And you'll like be behind this slow car for like 10 minutes driving down the road. And you're like, well, I'm still almost to work because the building is so large and there's nothing else around to kind of give it a sense of scale. Um, so you kind of lose track of just how far away you are from it. But it, it is it's massive. Uh, and until I think recently, it was the the largest single story building uh, in the world. Uh, it, it is it, the scale of it is unbelievable. Wow. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then uh, I just remember going because I I grew up in in Clearwater, so I remember going to all of these places like all the time as a kid on field trips and stuff. Do you guys still use the giant crawler, the giant super slow moving vehicle to get the the rockets out to the launch pad? Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. Uh, we actually had to redesign it. Well, not redesign it, but but uh, upgrade it for the Artemis rocket because um, the Artemis rocket and the tower is larger and heavier than the um, Apollo rocket that the crawler was originally designed for. Um, right. So yeah, we actually had to upgrade it to carry more capacity. And we're actually in working on a uh, second launch tower for the upgraded version of Artemis that is even bigger than this one. Wow. So, yeah, we're still using the crawler. Still holds up. Still holds up great. Uh, just used it just a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess you did. <laughs> What's the miles per gallon on that thing? Oh, uh, I forgot what they told me. I think it's like... 200 gallons per mile or something like that it's it's not good it's not not it's not a very fuel efficient vehicle but if you consider how much like cargo that it's moving the distance that's moving it's actually very fuel efficient huh but it's it it, it I, it's not a daily driver <laughs> <laughs> i think very little of what you guys do out there uh is is 
a daily driver and or very fuel efficient when you really get down to it. Um, no. So nope. yeah, you're you're all about wasting the fossil fuels with these days, which is fine. That's that's what we're we should be using them for anyway. Yeah, you got to get to space. <laughs> yes, there's no battery powered rockets yet. We're working on it, uh, but we haven't got there quite yet. Actually, the uh, Rocket Lab uh, rocket uses lithium polymer batteries or lithium. They might be lithium iron phosphate. I'm not sure the exact chemistry they use, but they use a lithium battery um, to spin start their uh, turbo pumps. And then they run the, the fuel in. And then as the rocket's taking off, they actually dump the lithium batteries out the side into the ocean. Wow. Obviously, salt water is perfectly way to neutralize the lithium. And uh, then the rocket goes into space. Um, you know, our, our, uh, our turbo pumps are a little bit larger. So we actually uh, use uh, helium to spin start ours, a very significant amount of helium. But but yeah, so there is there is one that runs lithium to get the uh, get the rocket engine started. Uh, that's really cool. Um, that's really really cool. All right. So the other question that we got pretty often that I want to make sure we cover here before we actually get into the fan questions. Um, so Artemis launch got delayed. We know that you explained a little bit why. Was this your fault, Matt? <laughs> Was this my fault? Uh, no, so uh, this is on the vehicle side. I'm on the ground side. I can say with 100% uh, certainty and honesty that this was not my fault. Okay, good. There was the the other problems that we had leading up to this, the other delays that we had, uh, I will take responsibility for for some of those. But but this one was not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into some questions from our Discord server. Um, First of all, we're going to talk to Business Cat, who runs a very popular control bot, Ram Plan, at Norwalk Havoc. He wants to know, um, hypothetically, what do you think of weapon effectiveness replacing damage as a judging criteria? A spinner could be causing damage, which would be considered effective, and a control bot could be lifting and or crushing that would also be considered effective. Um, it could give non-spinners a more equal chance compared to uh, spinners in the decisions. Thoughts on those criteria? That is an interesting, interesting approach. Um, oh, boy, that's tough. So I, I can see both sides of the argument, right? So as a crusher control bot, it is always tough losing a decision. But yeah looking like i don't think we won any of the fights that we were in this year um you know the hijink one was the closest but but we still lost right it was it was pretty obvious that we lost that fight um the orby fight we were you know in i, th- I would say in all of our fights if they were you know a minute and a half or two minutes we probably would have won but a three minute match we lost um so uh <sighs> It, it is interesting. Um, that's an interesting. Hmm. I, I'm thinking hard on that one because it, it would be difficult to judge, right? Um, damage with damage, the way judging is basically done is right. You don't even have to score damage during the match. You can literally just look at the two robots at the end and be like, yeah, that one's all beat the heck. And that one's not even barely scratched that one this one wins damage over that one or whatever you know 
Um, and so you really can kind of focus on control and aggression and, and which two, which, which of those two robots is, is winning those other two categories. Uh, if you have to look at weapon effectiveness, that gives you kind of a third judging criteria that you would have to then kind of factor in. It may be hard for the judges, um, but it's very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting thought. Yeah, I like it. Um, Maybe difficult to implement, but it's certainly thought provoking for sure. All right. So, BattleBots superfan Ryder Liangle has two questions. One, will Kraken continue to fight at other events that aren't BattleBots, like the returning Robo Games or perhaps certain sportsman competitions that you've already mentioned down in Florida? We'd love to see you at Robot Ruckets. Um, I watch the stream every year. So, yes, absolutely. Um, and will your, well, we'll, we'll answer that question first. So will you keep fighting this current version of Kraken somewhere? Uh, yes. Yeah. So we are planning on fighting this version of Kraken, um, at Ruckus or, um, at this year, I think we're just planning on having it up for display. Uh, but in future years, yeah, the plan would be to get this cool. robot together and actually compete with it. Very, very cool. All right. So will your next bot? continue the sea monster theme or do you have something new planned for it uh so we are gonna keep the kraken name and keep the theme uh we had really so when we after the season uh you know we had we have a big team at BattleBots, but it's nowhere near as big of a team like we have like two or three times that number of people that are actually part of the kraken team um and uh so we sat kind of the whole team down after the season and, and kind of like after the season had aired, right. Cause we didn't, you know, we didn't want to spoil it for the, for our team who, who are also obviously huge fans of the show. But after our third match with glitch, we kind of had to sit down as a team and kind of like, okay, you know, this obviously didn't go right. Um, and we are going to take, you know, this team in a new direction on a new project. And, and we talked about where to where to take it, what robots, how what it should look like, and we tossed around some crazy ideas and stuff that like I still think is a really cool robot. And we may build like a second type of robot uh, at one point, but like Kraken is a robot that we have worked so long and so hard on and built this really cool robot and we have this we have the greatest fans our fans are so awesome and they you know we, you really saw it at this match when after we announced their retirement that like they um really kind of rallied around and really you know at, at kind of the lowest point there they really helped build me up so thank you to our fans uh that uh, your, your words of encouragement and just what Kraken meant to you. It meant so much to me. So I just want to say thank you to all of them. Um, but it, it, you know, and that was kind of what we got from the team as well was like, you know, it was kind of like, well, even if we evolve Kraken, right. Even if we change this robot and we come up with a new robot, we should try and keep Kraken and keep the theme and keep what we have because we've built something special and you, sh you shouldn't just walk away with something special because you, you were, you know, you had a bad year. Um, and so it was kind of like, okay, let's, how, how do we evolve this? How do we grow this? How do we become something, keep something special? Cause we didn't want to do something completely different and be like, oh, this is cracking. And now it's, you know, it's a fire truck, you know, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Um, so how do we keep a sea monster themed robot 
um, but that is still um, you know a different a, a new robot something more competitive but still cool so uh, I think we've done it I hope so anyway <laughs> before I hand you over to my buddy Chris I just wanted to commend you for sneaking a buddy Lee don't play in the streets uh, reference into that um, impressive not many people could do that so thank you very much I appreciate it <laughs> Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> All right, Chris, on to you. All right, Matt. While we were just talking about the uh, the incredible fans out there in the community, we have a uh, a metric ton of questions from some of these wonderful individuals, and I'll kick things off with uh, a question from listener Michael Wise, who has a two-parter. What was your favorite fight where you won and your favorite fight where you lost? Oh, uh, favorite so let's start with the easy one. Favorite fight with I, where I lost was against Huge. That was an awesome fight. I was so happy. Uh, you know, obviously I wasn't happy that I lost, but like, um, I, I, when the fight before the fight, I said I'm pretty sure I could get Crack into Wheelie and we could Wheelie up and bite the middle, and then we could like bite it and shoot fire on it and stuff. And like, literally, like Peter. He didn't like laugh in my face, but he thought I was joking. Like he was like laughing and then he's like, oh wait, no, you're serious. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a good strategy. Like, I don't think that'll work. And I'm like, no, I think, I think I could do it. Like Kraken's like, you know, two and a half feet tall. And I'm like, huge is like 20 inches right at the center line. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could do it. You know, like Kraken wheelies on her own. So I'm, I'm thinking I could do it. And, uh, you know. And then we put the spear on there and Peter's like, that's not going to work. And the spear worked great. And uh, just, you know, there's like all this stuff that like, that's a stupid idea, Matt. And it ended up working. So I was like, hey, you know, I was, I was loving life. And uh, yeah, we lost, but it was, it was spectacular. It was a spectacular loss. Um, and we, yeah, we bit huge right between the eyes and shot the fire in there. It was so cool. And uh, yeah, I just had such a, an immense like, this is what Kraken could be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we lost, but we lost awesome. And we did so cool. It was, the whole fight was so cool. So I just loved the whole thing. And um, obviously was just so happy with, with how the bot did in that one. Uh, favorite fight that we won. <sighs> Goodness. So there's, you know, there's like one each season, right? There was the, the, uh, I can't decide. It's, it's down to two, right? There's really two. The, the very first time we won when we beat Red Devil for our very first win in our very first system, our very first season. And that fight was like the one that like, I don't know if, if we don't win that one, I don't know if we get invited back for next season. I mean, Kraken was interesting and visually different, but not very good, you know? And that was one that like we won and it was kind of like, hey, you know, we, we, there's potential here with this robot. You know, you can see what this robot could become. And I think it, it helped give us another shot. And then the obvious one is, is beating Witch Doctor. That was such a huge upset, you know? Um, Kraken was, was prior to that, season against you know black dragon where we had a close loss and against witch doctor that we beat them we were always kind of like a a low to mid-tier robot or a lower tier robot and i think that winning that fight kind of moved us into like a solid mid-tier 
mid upper tier even. Um, and, um, you know, I think that kind of put us out there as kind of, kind of this robot that like, Hey, you know, we might not beat everybody, but we're always good enough that we could beat anybody, you know, cause witch doctor was one of the best. I mean, it's still, it's still one of the best robots out there. Um, so, uh, th- yeah, it was one of those two. Those are two great fights. Thank those you. are two really, really great fights. I have uh, a two uh, two questions here from Ryan Hunter, who runs Harvester at Norwalk Havoc. And Ryan wants to know, first question, what do you think is the best way to scale down crushers into the smaller weight classes? Uh, th- I think the best way to actually scale down crushers is um, actually a pneumatic crusher. Um, I think, uh, they have like those little like furniture, um, like cabinet leveler airbags. They're like, they weigh nothing. Um, and if you can put a super lightweight pneumatic system in there, like they have for, um, like an ant weight or, um, using like one of the small paintball regulator type setups, um, you could, you could theoretically put, um, thousands of pounds of force in a crusher. Uh, with the with the airbag, um, and you could do some really crazy stuff with it. Um, and with the with the like the smaller weight class, like a beetle or something like that, you have a lot more uh, flexibility with how you do it. And um, you know, I don't know what Norwalk looks like, but um, in Florida, you know, half the time the armor, the top armor, is a piece of duct tape holding the wires in. You know, so you don't need you don't need much of a crusher in order to to really do some damage in there. So, um, yeah, I, I think like an airbag is like, it, it's such a easy way to get st- a stupid amount of force out of it. I think it's a great, a great answer. It gets a little bit tougher, like it probably like 12 pounds, but I think like a beetle would probably be kind of like the sweet spot. Ryan's second question is if Norwalk having introduced battle boats class, what would be your proposal for a competitive battle boat? I mean, you already got the nautical theme going on. What is your battle boat? Oh man, it's such a uh, different and unique challenge. Um, I think I would build a grappler. I think I would make a a like uh, submarine style robot that would actually drive up, submerge itself drive under the other robot and then like big tentacles would wrap around the other robot in like big arms and then it would just sink itself and pull the other uh battle boat to the to the bottom and then you know leave it you know hold it down there as long as they allowed me to 10 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever and then release it and, and float back up to the top so i think i'd still build a grappler i think it would be so cool as a, a you know a, a kraken battle boat I've heard enough. This needs to happen. <laughs> uh, and then I'll make sure that I um, I have the very first cruise liner themed or Disney cruise lines themed uh, boat. <laughs> and you can, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be your first victim. It'll be great. There you go. Perfect. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> All right. We got a question here from Alex uh, who wants to know, I've never understood why Kraken looks like a sea serpent and not a squid. Matt. Please explain to Alex. <laughs> so um, I, I always like this question because um, it, it's really funny to me. Like Kraken does not look like a squid. I, it's, You're 100% right. The, Kraken does not look like a squid. It looks more like uh, a Leviathan style robot. 
Um, but, uh, you know, like Kraken and Ribot uh, are like the only two that actually look like anything uh, at all. So like Tombstone's not even rounded on the back, but they don't they don't give Ray any trouble about not looking like a Tombstone. So um, <laughs> uh, I, I think I took some artistic liberty um, and like so when I'm designing a robot, I, and, and Kraken in particular, um, the way I do it is I go on, like I do a Google search, obviously, right? And I'll just search images and I'll search images for Kraken. And I'll just go through like a, like a Google search black hole. And I'll just click on every picture that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I'll just save it to a folder. And I'll just save all these pictures to this folder. So I have, you know, I don't know how many I've got in there. I have 20 or 30 pictures of various sea monster-y, leviathan style robot or uh, monster things I, pr I have predator in there from the you know the predator series because i like the little tendrils on the mouth and stuff like that and um which um, which which uh um which race of predators the uh the the larger ones or the smaller and more agile ones the smaller and more agile ones yeah i got yeah i got you that's good i like that and now there's like this new, this new uh, primordial one that they just introduced to me into in, in on Hulu. Thank you, Hulu. I got to think about predators now. A couple hours a week. <laughs> yeah, haunt your dreams. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, just a just a small small tidbit. You know, it might be uh, the next BattleBot season may look like a predator too. So you're just you're never gonna oh. get sleep again. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you can have like uh some kind of red uh glowing like digital countdown thing on the side of the bond that counts down to detonation that would be pretty cool <laughs> i'll, I'll work that in a mini bot that looks like a chopper would be good too <laughs> we can make that happen easy that's no problem if we can turn a stuffed animal into a mini bot we can turn a chopper into a mini bot that's a very good point and you know the narwhal is certainly the the most dangerous of all horned uh, aquatic mammals. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Have you not heard the song? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I have uh, I have two questions here from BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer, who first wants to know, um, what was it about Kraken that made such a durable bot uh, for most of its fights that have gone those whole three minutes despite taking a ton of damage? In some of them, um, I I think there's there's two parts to it. Is one um, we learned a ton from our first season, um, and we continue to learn a lot season to season, and and ways to uh, kind of um, design out or fabricate out the weak spots in the robot. Um, you know those NPC motors. Uh, uh, are super tough and reliable. They just kind of they're designed for the application, so they can take a pretty pretty big beating. Um, and we're not trying to do anything too crazy either, right? We're not we're not pushing the batteries extra hard. We're not uh, we're doing this doing the simple things right. And when you do that, kind of the other details take care of itself. Um, and then the other side of it is like. Um, I, again, it comes back to learning, right? So I've learned like, okay, when I crab walk, when the, the ref tries to count me out and, and they try every fight to count me out, I'm like, they're like, I need to see controlled motion. I'm like, well, I'm driving here. 
you know, I'm driving to this spot on the battle box or I'm driving towards the red square. And then I can show like, yeah, I am making progress towards the red square. Um, and they're like, they, that's something visual that they can see. Like I'm controlling the robot. This is where I'm going. This is how you know I'm doing it. And you can clearly see that I'm translating and I'm doing it in a controlled manner. So I think that has helped me avoid countouts where other f- teams have not been as fortunate because, um, you know, it, I, I learned, I, I think Orion said it, he avoided a count out because he told the ref, hey, I'm going to drive over to the red square. And he was able to massage himself over to the red square and avoid a count. Out. And I was like, hey, that's a great tip. I'll use that for forever and ever. <laughs> so um, it just comes to talking to the other competitors and learning from them and little yeah. tips and tricks I've picked up. I have, I have two more questions here from Alexander Archer. And I think that if you take a deep breath, you could probably answer them both. So I'll ask them both. Why do you think non-spinning weapons are becoming obsolete in battle bots? And why do you think spinners have become the most popular weapon of choice for a lot of builders in the sport? Uh, so uh, good, good question. So the first part of that is uh, spinners uh, in the way the current judging criteria is set up, the way the current rules, uh, the rules for like how the tournament's going to proceed and the scoring, the way that is set up, it really kind of encourages spinners um because you know you do uh they have they have just there's just more points there and you can't make up all the points for being destructive by controlling another robot or being aggressive or you can but it's really hard you got to really do excellent at it um so you look at like scorpio's first blood sport and they dominated the control of that robot and just barely eked out a victory uh, just because Bloodsport did more damage, and so you have to you have to dominate as a control bot to win. Whereas a spinner, you you kind of just have to win, you know. So um, it, it 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 kind of encourages that, and and for a good reason, right? They're trying to make a show that's entertaining for the casual fan to watch, not necessarily the the super fans and the competitors to watch, but the casual fan to tune in every week and watch and the casual fan wants gourmet destruction every week. And so the show is scored and judged in a way that encourages that behavior. Um, and then why do, why are spinners so popular in the, in the, um, other classes I think is, is similar uh, I think the scoring is a little bit more balanced, right? So it gives control bots a little bit uh, more opportunity, but um, it's difficult in the smaller classes to get kind of really creative with your weapon. It's 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 hard to make a, a lightweight crusher. It's hard to make a lightweight effective hammer, or um, you know, lifters are probably the 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 one that's probably the easiest to make lightweight, um, but they're still kind of susceptible to damage. So you have uh, spinners are, it's relatively easy to take a brushless motor and, and put a blade on it in the ant weight class. You know, that's, it's relatively easy to do. And it's a good progression from a wedge to a spinner. So it's kind of, a uh, a natural progression as you're going through your, your design process to start with a wedge and then add a spinner to your wedge and then go on and maybe try something more interesting from there. And, um, so you see, there's a lot of builders that, um, when, when they first start, they build a wedge. When they get a little bit more experience, they'll start adding spinners to their robot. And then once they get, you know, past a certain, I'll call it threshold, 
then they start building just ridiculous stuff. Um, just want, just going crazy with trying to challenge themselves and, uh, make something unique and interesting because they're looking for kind of that next, um, something interesting, right? Something to challenge them and, and making an interesting weapon solves that. So. All right. I have a Norwalk related question here from Justin Hunter who wants to know, would you ever consider making a 30 pound Kraken and maybe making the trip to Norwalk Havoc where the judging criteria is a bit more balanced? Uh, cool question. So I, we do want to go to Norwalk. Uh, we, we have, uh, plans. Uh, I don't, I want to say scheduled plans, but we have, uh, let's call it ambitions, uh, of going and competing at Norwalk Havoc. Um, I finished, um, that's finished is a strong word. I got my three pound robot vertical spinner, Bob, uh, running this summer and in testing it safely in an arena, I will add, uh, sheared the weapon pulley, uh, right off. Uh, I I don't know exactly what happened, whether the weapon was a little bit loose or slid over or whatever, but it, it caught the weapon, uh, belt. Uh, and just yank the pulley, just just literally cut the end right off the motor. So I've got a little bit of work to do to get Bob back up and running. But um, I'm very close to having a, a cool three-pound robot I'm pretty excited about. So at the very least, I would like to get to Norwalk with my three-pounder. But yeah, a 30-pound Kraken would be cool. I don't suppose you would want to divulge any information about that three-pound bot, would you? Uh, that's uh, Bob, my big old blade. It's a, a division-style... Uh, I think it's a nine inch diameter vertical disc spinner. So it's, it's my old, old style, just a big disc mounted on the front and go smash into stuff. Oh, you'd be in Seth's, uh, stomping grounds. I could, I smell a rivalry already. Oh yeah. Uh, a rivalry of friendship. Cause I really like Seth and I've, I've, I've watched, uh, Seth's videos as well. If you haven't checked them out on YouTube, they're great. Uh, there's a lot of really good information there and. You know, again, uh, learning is how you get better, how you get reliable. And I, I learn stuff from Seth all the time, too. So um, it's, it's he's got a really informative YouTube channel. Yeah, I'd say that he definitely has uh, one of the YouTube channels that um, really helps people that are either a novice or even experts, like really kind of wrap their heads around the lightweight classes. And that is something that everyone should check out, regardless of whether or not they're building you know, three pound bots or, you know, uh, 12 pound bots. This is, this is something that, uh, even maybe someone who builds heavyweights could learn from. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. I got a, a couple of questions here from pain train team member, Alex Peza, who runs several Beatles at Norwalk Havoc. He says, what's up, Matt? I know you used to work at Disney. Do you have any favorite hidden Mickey's? Oh man, favorite hidden Mickey's. Uh man, it's been so long. I'm trying to think of where they all are. Um so yeah, I used to work at Disney. Uh for those of you that don't know, I was uh I worked 3 years doing uh project management and and that was cool and fun and interesting. Um and actually with the Contemporary Resort, if you ride the monorail in and you see the big like Mickey store, that's there. Uh, I helped build that. So, um, that is really cool. And you actually drive right over an arcade and the arcade was a project that I built there as well. Um, in the contemporary resort. So I did a lot of contemporary work 
um, resort, a lot of work at the Contemporary Resort. Um, and then I did um, actually ride testing at Disney for uh, four years. So it was uh, third shift going out and checking the rides. Um, we, checked, we checked every single ride at Walt Disney World at least once a year. Um, and if they do any type of change to the ride or anything at all, it's checked again. So at least once a year, we check uh, every ride uh, at Walt Disney World. Um, so I was uh, helped that did was part of that effort. And then also, you know, a bunch of other testing to make sure everything was safe or, um, you know, just as, uh, as efficient to try and get people through the lines as possible. Um, you know, all kinds of weird and crazy stuff, but yeah, so we saw, uh, we saw the park kind of empty and at, at night in the dark, um, so it's a different, it's a different vibe than, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to say creepy cause it's not creepy. Right. But it is, uh, almost, um, surreal, you know, you're at a, like magic kingdom can hold like 120,000 people and you'll walk down the street and it'll be just you. So it's, it's like, it's like a ghost town. Um, but all the lights are on and everything's clean and, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's like society just got sucked out of it. You know, all the people just got, I don't know, um, abducted or something, you know? So it's really, it's really this weird feeling to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know where, I, but, except uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's where. one Mickey that has an ax somewhere on <laughs> campus. I, I stirred clear of that one. Yeah. I'll, I'll but never no, go yeah, back on a small world ever again. <laughs> I encourage that anyway, just as, you know, um, just for good measure, you know, what, did, what was your favorite uh, ride? Uh, favorite ride. So there's a new one, the star Wars, um, uh, ride I've told is excellent. I need to go on it. I've not been on it yet, actually. Um, I love, uh, the, um, oh my goodness. What is the name of it? Um, at animal kingdom, they have a new ride in there. It was the first ride I've ever been on where I forgot that I was on a ride until like halfway through, like you get in and it's so immersive. Um, and it's just like, wow. And, and, you know, you're kind of doing, you're riding on this, uh, dragon thing. I, I'm not, I'm not good with avatar. Oh. Wow. Um, yeah, Lindsay and I, our favorite, our favorite um, ride is the, it's like the Himalayan one. Um, yeah, Expedition Everest. Oh, um, that one's pretty nice. yeah, Everest. Yep, Everest. Yeah, Everest is great. Uh, Everest is a great ride. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a cool one. I rode Everest uh, actually 12 times in a row without getting off. <laughs> so that was, that was fun. Just go in. Yeah, so we would we when we tested the ride, the roller coasters, we would we would have an accelerometer on there that would measure like what a person would feel, uh, accelerations and g forces and stuff like that. And so we'd have a little person, and we'd have a little data recorder. So the person would be sitting up, you know, like a seat in front of me, and I would sit in the seat behind them with the data recorder, and we would do a lap, and I'd stop the data recorder and restart it, and give a thumbs up, and they'd hit the go button again, and up the hill you'd go. So I did that for like Big Thunder Mountain like 20 times in a row and uh, Tower of Terror like 12 times in a row. And yeah, we, I did lots of rides lots of times in a row to the point where it was like, okay, I'm getting sick. This is too many. This is, you know, there's a reason they make you get off and get back on, back in line. You know, it's, 
it's too much. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have had three turkey legs before you <laughs> kicked off that day. Yeah, I probably should have stopped after the second one, but you know, they're so good. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Um, my favorite uh, ride actually at Disney might be the one that Disney takes me on as soon as I walk through the gate and it separates me from a few weeks salary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that's, that's Disney's favorite one too. <laughs> you ever walk out of Disney and be like, I don't know what happened. I have, I have a black eye, my wallet's gone and I, <laughs> and my bank account has been drained. <laughs> But it's okay because I had a, I had what, what do you call them the 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 dull whips? Oh yeah, the dull whips. Oh yeah, dull whips. Yep. Yeah, those are so good. <laughs> uh, all right, I got. We gotta get back to questions here. There's so many fan questions. Um, I have. Uh, it looks like one from Kikota Maine who'll be running serial killer at, at, and counterattack at September Norwalk, who writes, "Hello, Matt." Obviously really heartbroken to see Crack and Go, especially since it's one of the bots that inspired me to make my own one-pound crusher. Speaking of which, what are some of your favorite other crusher bots that have competed in the sport across any weight class? I I love uh, Kiko's robots. I love um, Serial Killer, uh, his one-pound robot that he made. It is uh, – I see him – he competes regularly in Florida – um, and his robot has, um, like he's constantly improved it and made it better and, uh, it's more reliable and it's more destructive and it's just, you know, um, it's great to see him. He's so passionate about, it. like, I, I can, I can feel his passion when he's talking to me about his robot. And I love that about him. I love what he's doing with his robot. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, I, I've, I got, I'll have a soft spot in my heart for crushers, you know, now and forever. Um, Petunia and Quantum and Spectre and uh, they're, they're um, it's, it's just, it's a really underrepresented class. It's a really difficult class to build in. Um, and it's, it's a really great challenge. Um, and, but when you can do it and you can pull it off, it's just so cool. Um, and it's, it's, it's a type of robot that I think other builders, um, regardless of how much time they've spent competing, right. Whether it's one year or, or 20 years, right. They're, they, they will automatically give you a respect for building a crusher because it's, it's a challenging build. It's, it's really not easy to build a good crusher um and and making the crusher is is it they're cool they're cool robots and competitors don't like fighting them right because if it yeah you can you can land your shots on the crusher but eventually you know i i I get like three or four shots but eventually i get to give one of mine and if your top armor isn't up to the up to it um we're, we're going through and uh you know it's kind of that slow slow torturous death which is which is fun. You know, you're not getting splattered all over a wall, but, but you can see your robot getting pierced and you know where your batteries are and your speed controllers and stuff. So it's a, it's a psychological uh, <laughs> damage that you're doing to your opponent. Yeah. It's like when, when we, uh, when we're at Norwalk and you see a, a match featuring the bot inside job, 
and you know that oh yeah that, that slow finger just kind of slowly digs its way into other bots it's gut-wrenching right yeah it's so gut-wrenching yeah like you you know it's coming you know there's nothing you can do about it and like it's like <laughs> you know it's uh and like um I don't remember if it was James or Grant Cooper um, from the Quantum guys were were talking to me, and they're like, you know, when when a when a spinner hits you, right? When a spinner like destroys you, right? It's like, well, they just spun up their weapon and bumped into you, right? That that's what they did. But they're like, whenever I kill you, you know, like you know, my hand is on the trigger, like pushing it down <laughs> inside, like like stabbing that knife through your back. And it was kind of like, wow, that's a really powerful visual and also a little bit creepy. But hey, I'm all for it, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's true though. It, it's, it's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like uh, your, your um, <laughs> people who build crushers are clearly mentally unstable as it is. So uh, <laughs> they're the ones to keep an eye on. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's like, what would you, how would you rather go out? You want to get hit by a van going 70 miles an hour? Or do you want to get slowly stabbed by a guy that lives in a van? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry for the young people out there in our audience. That might have been a little too graphic. <laughs> so we'll go on to Lindsay Rico's two questions. Uh, her first question is, will you be donating or selling a version of Kraken to the Bot Museum in Norwalk? Uh, I, so I have actually a plethora of damaged Kraken frames in the garage and it's making it hard to build new Kraken. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm certainly open to, um, you know, putting one on display at, uh, Norwalk Havoc. They're, they're cool robots and it'd be cool to be part of that, uh, that museum. But, um, yeah, so sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll say yes. Cool, Matt. We, we, we know some people. We'll uh, put a word in for me. There you we'll go. We'll make some calls. There you go. We'll make some calls. Um, Lindsay, second question is if you had the chance to openly discuss the way things are headed with battle bots, what would you say? This is obviously a hot button question. Uh, what would I say about the current direction battle bots is going? Um, overall, I, like, I think the direction is positive. Uh, I think, uh, you know, go back and watch like ABC seasons, right? Uh, and look at those robots and look at the robots now. I mean, um, there's, gosh, there's pros and cons, right? The pro is the robots are getting way more destructive. The fights are way more entertaining. The bots are faster. They're more violent. The, the hits are harder. The sparks are bigger, right? Like everything is bigger and better, um, which is great. I mean, eventually we'll probably hit like a uh, a plateau where we can't get any bigger or or more destructive, right? Um, and uh, the new builders that are coming in, uh, you know, the the glitches, the riptides, the uppercuts, um, you know, the um, robot team, you know, these, these new builders that have come in in the last couple of years uh, have really pushed the envelope for the sport. Um, and they're really, uh, you know, you look at some of the, the older builders are struggling and, you know, you like, I'm seeing it, right. You got to evolve or die. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's all positive, right. It's all positive. I see, um, 
you know, BattleBots uh, is is trying to do right by the builders um, and really trying to help the builders out. They like they can see that the costs are going through the roof and and they can see that and they're trying to do what they can to help the builders. So that's that's certainly positive. Um, but at the same time, that um, that threshold for entry to get in is that that bar for entry, right, is getting higher. Um, and yeah, you'll still probably get the occasional rusty and you'll still occasionally get the, you know, the family team on the show, but, um, that, that bar has been raised. And so it's going to be hard for those folks to get on the show and do well and compete. Um, it's just a, it's a challenging, um, you know, as the sport evolves and gets, gets better and faster and stronger, um, the, the, the point of entry is get, gets harder for, um, you know, new teams. And I think that's why like events like Norwalk Havoc and Robot Ruckus and uh, all the other events all around the country are, are so valuable uh, because they allow those teams uh, and those families, you know, to get experience with smaller robots and how they evolve and grow. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of neat, um, there's so much value in what you can learn from a one pound robot or a three pound robot or a 30 pound robot. Um, and learn those lessons at a fraction of the cost of a, of a battle bot level heavyweight. All right, Matt, I have one more question before I hand you over to Lindsay, who has uh, about another page of uh, a fan questions. <laughs> and this, uh, this question comes from BattleBots super fan, amateur builder and combat robotics podcast co-host Christopher DeSico. <laughs> Matt, just in in black and white and vivid detail, can you give us all of the technical specifications of a new Kraken that could emerge in the next season of BattleBots? Uh I can, but let's let's do this. Let's play let's play a little game. <laughs> do you like games? Okay, I love games. I love games. Love okay. games. Um love games. If you <laughs> if you had a um what what would you change about Kraken, or 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 let me rephrase that maybe differently. What would you change about Kraken, or what would you do differently with Kraken, or how would you improve Kraken? What are some of the things that you see in Kraken that need improving on? I just I, I will quickly mention that you're talking to the person that tried to mount a propane flamethrower on top of. Uh, street sweeper brushes and somebody else who made swinging rock hammers on some kind of really strange uh, a, a drive motor uh, that was on a bot that was made out of lightsabers. So if you really want to ask me the things that I would change, uh, <laughs> they're not to make Kraken better, uh, but, to make, <laughs> but to make a robot, um, uh, I, I would say uh, just flagrantly absurd. <laughs> great we did that we did okay. that um so uh our flamethrower has always been something that we have uh it's been okay like fire comes out which is always positive uh but you look at like the the blacksmith or a gruff or a free shipping and you know there's like there's like a threshold for fire mm. and those guys are like like at the top of that threshold and then there's like the bots that fire also comes out intentionally or unintentionally you know um and kraken is are you so we are you thinking about redefining what that threshold is oh no no we're not i don't think we're even gonna like free shipping is 
absurd and gruff is i gruff is nuts i don't they have so much flamethrower coming out of there it's crazy but we are going to make kraken's flamethrower better we have been working diligently basically since the season ended on making the flamethrower hotter um shoot further more reliable you know all the all the good flamethrowery goodness so yes oh and uh we i don't know we haven't got this problem solved yet but this is one that we're working on is getting the flame to light up colors uh and we're shooting for red a red flame so we're working on our oh you're gonna you're gonna need it's like you can do additives right into the actual um yeah Yeah, we're working on strontium yeah wow okay so we're trying to get a cool red fire so yeah there you go okay that's number one all right Lindsay, what would you change and don't say fire (laughs) (laughs) um turning kraken's teeth into vertical discs (laughs) there you go Hey, wait a minute. That could actually work. I can neither confirm nor deny that that happened. <laughs> oh, that'd be, I mean, in theory, it, you could have a biting mouth, but instead of just two prongy teeth, it's like, you know, two little uh, salad shooters, like little slicers <laughs> and dicers. I can neither confirm nor deny that that, that happened. Wow. Okay. Kraken's little teeth are my favorite, so um, I uh, I just love them so much. They Kraken actually had rows of teeth, so if it did lose one, another one comes out and replaces it. <laughs> That's right. So we actually the the teeth are all the teeth are hammer forged in the driveway, right? We break out a coal fired forge and the anvil and the hammers and spend a spend a whole day. Like we start at ten a.m. and we go till like five or six o'clock at night just beating on metal with hammers. Um, and that's how all of the little teeth in the mouth are made. And we just did that um, uh, two weeks ago. So, yeah. So we will have the little hammer forged teeth uh, like we had before. And now we have uh, some uh, some enhanced uh, destructive teeth as well. <gasps> Ooh, okay. They've, they've changed from incisors to molars. <laughs> <laughs> all right kyle you're two for two so far what would would you change what would i change oh man so many things no i'm kidding um (laughs) (laughs) wow okay oh that's i see how um, you're gonna be honestly the only thing i could think of is like just a more robust horizontal uh attachment setup like something that because if they're just gonna keep feeding them to you then you would need something a little bit more robust to actually handle it rather than just welded on plates on one of the frames. Um, so perhaps something truly module or modular, I guess is the best way of putting it, uh, where you could, you know, slap on basically different types of plows and wedges, depending on who you're actually going to be facing. Um, that would be my big thought process there. Also, uh, faster biting, but that's always the challenge, right? You got, you got, uh, either power or speed when it comes to the bite, but uh, it's kind of hard to pick one or the other and, and really make them effective. So uh, in lieu of that, modular modular defensive packages. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you guys, I will say, 
three four three ish, two point seven five ish. The um, we are we are going to upgrade the armor package. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it is shock mounted now. Um, I think for this next season when it's announced, uh, we will probably end up with just one armor configuration package, but designed for horizontals or verticals or control bots or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, something way more better for fighting horizontals because, uh, that was, uh, we got, uh, trashed a couple of times. That wasn't fun, but yeah. So I think you guys hit on most of the big technical issues that we had. Um, and I will give you one more, uh, Kraken will actually be four wheel drive next season. Um, so that's, oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, so it makes sense. I'm sorry. What was that? I was. It said that makes sense. I mean, Kraken, you know, as hard as she bites, is a control bot. She's. It's all about maneuvering your opponent into the obstacles and everything. Making her four wheel drive is like a natural step. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever considered eight wheel drive? Go on. I'm listening. <laughs> well, once Chris built a bot with eight wheels, and so when five wheels immediately exploded when he turned it on, <laughs> he still had three to fall back on. Yeah, so that was that has always been like one of the challenges with Kraken, right? Like in the Orby match, uh, and, and even the Rotator match, and even the Hijinks match. Like, it's like when we lose, we get one wheel taken out. Uh, so I, you know, I thought four would be way better because at least then we would still have one wheel on each side, but. But now that you mention it, eight just makes way more sense because then we could lose like five wheels, you know, and still be fully functional. All right. All right. So, Chris, you really hit on what it needs to be, though, right? Obviously, <laughs> 500 pound cephalopod style eight legged walker bot is going to be the next Kraken, right? I mean, that that's obviously the next move. Yeah. No joke. That was one of the concepts we tossed out was how do, we could make Kraken a walker and have a crusher that would just be stupidly powerful as a walker and how do we make a walking robot and just have a crusher that could produce like instead of like a hundred thousand pounds of force like a million pounds of force and like just shear through it didn't it wouldn't matter what material you put out there we were cutting it in half you got a piece of one inch ar 500 cool it's get cut in half uh so we did we did talk that concept legit serious like, what would it take to get something ridiculously powerful? And uh, eight million dollars. <laughs> That's that is the answer to that. Question. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> I looked at what I had in my bank account and those numbers were vastly different. Yeah. <laughs> it's like eight dollars in Taco Bell coupons and that wasn't going to get us there. Well, I do love Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt, we still have a million questions from the fans. But I also know you've been up since 3 a.m. to get ready for the Artemis launch today. So I'm going to just speed through what we have left. Uh, but just know that so many people left words of love and support and, and you know, just encouragement and, and how much the, your team has meant to them. So um, if you haven't already seen them, go back into the, into the Facebook posts and check them out um, because I'm going to scroll past most of them here just for time. Um, 
but yeah, so let's uh let's get into it. Oh, awesome. Feels great. Thank you so much to all the fans. It really truly truly it, it means a lot, really. So here's a question from Michael Clements that we haven't really touched on yet, but I think is a really interesting topic. Do you think if the upper deck had been used as initially described preseason that control bots like yourself would have had more chances at winning fights, such as count out starts as soon as you're up there or race sides so that you can only back down over the screws? Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%. Um, I, thought, I thought the upper deck, uh, when it was first brought out, was... Uh, it got a lot of lashback from the builders, I think because it caught everyone off guard and no one was expecting it. And it was too late to change your design to accommodate it. So it was like a requirements change right at the end. And uh, so I think it got a lot of pushback from the builders. But um, I think what what ended up happening, and, and this is kind of something that when you try and uh, you know appease everybody, you end up uh, you know pleasing nobody kind of situation. Um, and so you had this thing that kind of blocked up all the floor for the horizontals and they couldn't get anywhere. And then you had this thing that really wasn't effective for control bots. And, um, it was cool. And there was, there, it made some really interesting moments, but hundred percent, it needed the walls on the sides, um, to force people to come back over the screws, um, and back to where you put them out of the, put them, you know, you put them up there at the screws, um, and so a lot of times what would happen was like someone would put them up in the screws and they would drive their spinner off the side. And then now they're up to speed and you can't, you have to, you know, kind of drive down and go around a corner to get to them, you know? So it kind of gave them an opportunity to get spun back up where it was, it was difficult to get to them quickly. So um, I think it was intended to give control bots an advantage. And I think the way it was implemented actually hurt control box. So um but yeah, I think there's some plans to fix it for next season, but I, I'm still waiting to hear uh, what all is going to happen there. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what they choose to do up there um, if, if they leave it, which I, I guess we don't have any confirmation either way, but we'll see. All right. So the next question is from fellow Copperhead team member, Chad New. What's up, Chad? He asks a space related question. Matt, did you secretly hide a Kraken scale inside the spaceship? Can't wait to see the next version. Dragon is my son's favorite by far, way more than Copperhead or any small robot I have ever built. <laughs> hey, Chad. Thanks, buddy. Um, I did not get to sneak anything uh, inside, of the sh inside of the capsule. Unfortunately, when the capsule door, like I've been up uh to the capsule where the the crew access arm is one of the arms that um so uh, before i was the integration engineer i was the arms and umbilicals manager so uh, my team was responsible for designing all of these arms and the crew access arm being one of them and um so i've been i've been in the crew access arm multiple times and right up against the vehicle and stuff like that but uh they're really particular about what stuff you put in there and uh, a Kraken sticker, unfortunately, didn't make its way in there that we know of. <laughs> Ooh, I'd like to think a sticker is there just off record and you can't say it. Yeah, yeah. It's on, it's on the underside, so whenever it separates everything, you can see it there. All right, so here's a thought-provoking question from Sumi Shik. 
Have the capabilities of Kraken had any direct or indirect effect on other technological devices or services? So um, the the airbag that Kraken uses is used in a lot of other industries. Um, it's used in like uh, the rock quarry industry for separating um, uh, like marble slabs and stuff like that. You can slide one of these airbags. You cut a slot between two marble slabs. You can slide an airbag in because they're only like three quarters of an inch thick um, and they can inflate super big and produce you know like they sell bags that are like three foot by three foot um and the one kraken uses is 15 inches so um you know you can get extremely high amounts of force out of these these airbags um and they put apply that load over a very large area so they're ideal for kind of that environment they also use them for like fire departments to pick cars off of people that are trapped underneath of them and stuff like that so they're really effective and they're used in a lot of industries um i saw them uh my father-in-law was using it. he actually picked up his pool deck so while he was trying to uh tear his pool deck down to rebuild it um he used the airbag to kind of pick up the 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 deck and you know kind of excavate it underneath of it so he could drop the deck down and tear it apart and uh so that was that was my first kind of experience and i was like wow it's so cool that like you could just crack open this hand valve and this this little inflatable bag can pick up this entire wood deck that would take, you know, eight guys to pick up. And it was like, this is unbelievable. And it, it like, when he did it, like he opened that valve and it actually like tossed the, the uh, decks. Not, so I was just like, wow, it's so neat. Um, and uh, it's just really cool. So I don't know if Kraken has inspired anyone else to do, um, to explore like airbags in different areas where airbags can be used. But, um, there's uh there's i hopefully it inspires some some kids to get into stem and robotics and stuff like that that would be uh like that'd be like winning the giant nut for me like knowing that there's some kid out there that was like hey i want to be an engineer i want to do robotics because i i saw this robot cracking when i was a kid and it was so cool you know that would be like just the the end all for me so and i'm positive that there are people out there many people out there who would directly cite you and kraken and your team as inspirations for them getting into the sport so i know i know they're out there um but our next question is from a good one and it's from heather stringfellow uh if you had to be stranded at sea with another BattleBots team who would you choose to join your pirate crew Wow, if I had to be stranded at sea with another another BattleBots team, who would be stranded at sea? God, that is such a good question. I probably would pick... Um, it's a tough question. I would probably either pick like Aaron Hill and either the Blip or Tantrum team uh because they they are very innovative and they might be able to come up with a you know a really good technical solution that would get us get us through the problem um but i also might pick like um uh like a dave eaton or al kindle or uh you know just someone that i feel like could take the resources that we have and turn them into something else you know what i mean someone that would would help us with that survival uh the survival instincts right you know like hey here's these two coconuts and if we connect them to this rock hey it's a ham radio we can call for i don't know 
but uh, I don't know if there's any other teams out there that uh, actually I know the witch doctor team does a lot of like hiking and uh, camping and stuff like that. Yeah. Mike and Andrea and, and that team might be a good one to, uh, to bring in as well. I know they do a lot of outdoorsy stuff, so they would be probably good ones that would help like actually like survive, you know, on your stranded Island. I smell a battle bots and a lone crossover. <laughs> uh, the next question is from Christine Glover, uh, who runs the excellent battle bots interview show outside of the box. Uh, and she asks, can a harpoon weapon be added onto the new robot? Asking for Scorpio co-captain Diana Tarlson and myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we'll put a harpoon on anything. Uh, yeah, if there's opportunity to put a harpoon on there, we're putting a harpoon on there. Especially if we're fighting huge again. If So Jonathan, just as a heads up, if we're fighting you, buddy, I'm putting a harpoon on, on Kraken. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. The next one is something that I'm particularly interested in as Kraken's teeth are my favorite. And it's a question from Christy Flutreau. How many teeth has Kraken lost throughout the years? And how do I obtain one of my own? Good question, Christy. Oh, good question. Um so how many teeth have we lost throughout the years? Goodness. We lost, we lose a big tooth, at least one or two a season. Um, and then the little teeth, when we started welding those in, uh, we would lose between five and 10 every match. So what are we at? Like 20 matches or 23 matches or something like that. So uh and the first year we did five fights so 15 times five is what is that number 15 times five is too late i've been up to early 75 okay yeah so i'm gonna say somewhere i'm gonna say somewhere around between 60 and 80 teeth um and then where do you get them from we actually have i'm gonna throw a plug in up there uh kraken tooth necklaces in the ce robots store uh, store.cerobots.com uh, yeah those are coming out of the store today but we'll put them back up uh, because we're we are busy working on cracking resurrection i don't know yeah that, that that's the name by the way i just came up with that that's the name now so cracking resurrection um <laughs> and uh so we're gonna pull the necklaces down for a little bit so that we can focus on the build but um We'll be putting them back up once the build is complete. I just want to shout out your merch store. Uh, last year, Luke got me a Live Love Kraken pillow and a Wally plushie. And I love them so much. And they're awesome. And uh, if you haven't checked out their merch store, I think that you should. Oh, he's the sweetest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of Wally, the next question is from Shannon Silliman. Very important question, Matt. What came first, the Wally bot? Or the plush? Oh, the Wally bot. Yeah, the Wally bot was way before the plush. But and the Wally bot is a plush, right? So um, it starts as a stuffed animal, and we coat it in fiberglass, and then hollow it out and turn it into a mechanized force of destruction. Um, and uh, yeah, so we started it as just a way for the kids to drive a bot in the arena, and um, it's turned into this like super amazing thing that's got its own life of its own so on that note is wally coming back with kraken resurrection i hope i hope i hope yeah well well wally didn't die we're not retiring wally so he's he's too powerful to be retired so 
he will be back. But we were going to be so another uh, interesting thing I can share this secret on the next version of Kraken is um, we will have a new weapon operator. Uh, the boys will actually getting the upgrade to weapon operator uh, next season. So yeah, they're gonna get their time in the a uh, little bit extra uh, pressure on them next year. So I th I'm setting them up to take over as as the the drivers for Kraken because I've I've noticed that that they're at the age now where their hand eye coordination and reaction time is getting faster and sharper and mine is getting slower and duller. So, uh, you know, we're trying to set ourselves up for long-term here and, and turning the reins over to the boys, uh, I think is kind of the natural next progression. Wow. That's awesome. We've been such big fans of theirs ever since they ran the bot kids podcast, which was, you know, way before Behind the Bots ever started and it actually helped inspire us to start our own podcast. So uh, it's really exciting to see them grow and evolve on your team. And uh, that that's so incredible. Yeah, they've, they've come a long way and, you know, they're building their own robots now, building it and designing their own robots. So they're they're the, you know, they're the the next generation of, of Kraken captains. That's awesome. All right, so uh, here's a question from Sporkanak Captain Lilith Specht, who asks what I'm assuming is a very common question. What's cracking lately, Matt? <laughs> God, I wish less. <laughs> I wish anything less. Um, I was really hoping we would launch today so we could take one thing off the plate. Um, but um, it wasn't, wasn't so fortunate. But yeah, we've got, uh, obviously we're uh, working on a new version of Kraken and a new uh, Evolve form. And so there's a lot of technical and logistics and fabrication details to work out there. Um, and then uh, launching the rocket, uh, which is uh, another huge endeavor and effort um, and a lot going on there. Um, obviously, the, the kids have started back to school. Uh, my wife, Sarah, um, has she's uh, going back to school now for vet tech and doing a lot of volunteer work at the local animal um, SPCA. Uh, so we got a lot going on there. And then we have a yet second BattleBot project that is uh, that we will hope will be announced um, by the end of the year. Um, and it's something we're working on. We're very excited about. It's a really cool project. Um, and uh, uh, just really uh, looking forward to um, to, be, to being able to share all that information with everybody uh, later this year. But so, yeah, there's a lot. Well, what's cracking it? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. You deserve a vacation. Yeah. Maybe we'll get one after BattleBots. <laughs> all right. So we have some final questions here from BattleBots superfan Mary Catherine Carr. Her first question did you also pee a little when Kraken's airbag exploded during the 2021 season? Or was that just every person in the front four rows of the audience? So like, uh, when I, when I'm driving, I'm like fully in the zone. Like I don't, I don't hear any noises. I don't see anything going on. Like the airbag exploded and like you could, I, I, I think I may have flinched a little bit, but um, just from the explosion. But like, I was like, my job is not to bite. That's Sarah's job. My job is to put the weapon in a place where Sarah can bite. So like my whole thought was like, is he dead? No, keep attacking. And um, so 
I, I didn't, well, I wasn't like really phased by it at all. Like I maybe a little bit startled just from the, the force of it and the noise of it. But, um, no, I, I get just driving. <laughs> she ends by saying, along with everyone else in the community, I'm looking forward to whatever the Spurk family creates because I know it'll be awesome, which is a sentiment that so many fans shared with us and is, is just really, really so widely held. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Matt, with everything going on, how busy getting ready for the next season has been for you and and for everything going on at NASA right now, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and, and just taking so much time to speak with us. We're so, so, so excited to see what you're cooking up next. And uh, we can't wait to see you in the battle box again soon. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me, guys. It was a great conversation. and uh, uh, I'm just uh, grateful to be a part of it. And 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 again, I was, I, just to echo what I said earlier, thank you so much for the fans and your kind words and, and everything. It does mean it does truly mean a lot to us. So thank you. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. This week, we're traveling to Fuchao, China, where a major video game developer has appointed a new CEO, a humanoid robot that makes management decisions powered by artificial intelligence. NetDragon Websoft is currently valued at $8.5 billion on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and builds a number of popular games for the Chinese market, notably the massive multiplayer Disney Fantasy Online. The company says that their new CEO robot is designed to, quote, pioneer the use of AI to transform corporate management and leapfrog operational efficiency to a new level. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm cool with this one. <laughs> no concerns, no notes. Bring on the CEO robot overlords. I think it's... I think it's kind of cool. Um, it, it'll be the first robot maybe with a yacht. <laughs> I mean, do we really trust the EOs anyway? I feel like I can't trust a robot CEO any less. Hmm. So I'm oddly open to this one. This might be the very first CEO in history that has a personality. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm perfectly okay with this because, uh, frankly, give the robot overlords their power, the power anyway, and then they just won't violently overthrow us and take us all over. You know what I mean? If they're already in charge of everything, then you don't have to worry about the revolution. It's fine. I I would say I, I'm concerned about what the training data was for this AI, you know? Like, did this AI just read every one of the previous CEO's emails and, like, that's their, you know, corpus of knowledge? Uh, it just—it was a regular robot that went to a retreat in Utah for two weeks and did a bunch of micro. <laughs> See, because I mean, like you know, we, we we've seen a, like AI that's been trained like on Reddit, for example, and within two or three days, it becomes just like a misogynistic, like slightly genocidal, just absolute psychopath. Um, and uh, you know, even then, maybe better than the average, uh, you know, CEO. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> shots fired watch out all you ceos we're coming for you 
<laughs> this is wild. I don't even know what to think. I mean, I know that IBM has Watson. Right. And they Watson has HR applications that can kind of apparently be used to determine whether someone is at risk of leaving, alert you, mm-hmm. say like, oh, this person could use a raise or maybe they'll leave or maybe you should let them go. I don't know. So I know that there's like already AI being used in HR, hmm. um, but oh. not an actual humanoid robot. <laughs> uh, can you imagine what that like that end of year reflection conversation is like <laughs> with an AI CEO? Yes. Hello. Uh, I, uh, I I see that you spent uh, 67,422 uh, minutes uh, this year on a, uh, a furry message board. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just shoot you with lasers. And then laser eyes. Boom. Yeah. Done. Um, you know, I, I will say just, uh, you know, there, there's, there's this kind of... Uh, common corporate trope where they say if we're going to be losing this person you know in a uh, layoff or you know they're leaving or something you know we really hope they don't go to our competitor but listen if it's artificial intelligence they might just terminate your life on your way out the door you know like you you really can't compete against your uh, your former company that way you know i uh i didn't think of that i mean what if <laughs> Could you have an AI as the your, your chief culture officer? <laughs> I guess it depends <laughs> on what kind of company it is, right? Can you <laughs> Disney Fantasy Online? You know, like uh, being run by a completely ruthless AI CEO. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Attendance at the company retreat is mandatory. Fun is mandatory. Fun is mandatory. Walk across the hot coals. Walk across the hot coals. <laughs> Trust fall. Trust fall. <laughs> wow, this is wild. Well, at least they got this uh, this AI um, running the company and uh, not driving the cars into pedestrians. <laughs> that is an extremely valid point. <laughs> That's what the robot CEO does to blow off steam, just like uh, our human CEOs. Just like the regular CEOs. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to be on hit lists. And that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for doing such a great job editing this week's episode. Can't believe it's been a year. It's so exciting to have you along for the ride. Uh, we'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye. Pew 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 pew. Pew pew pew. Mandatory. 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 There once was a bot who sprung the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teeth. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds all go. My scaly girl go. Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come her metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her